This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. Dave, let's jump right in here to our baseball slate. So we are actually recording this on Thursday. It's July 6th. First three games are going to be games for Thursday. Second three games we go through will be the July 7th Friday slate. First game that we're looking at here on Thursday, July 6th, it's actually going to be a 540 Central Time first pitch. It's the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Miami Marlins. This one will be on television, FSN1. Jack Flaherty going for the Cardinals. Yuri Perez going for the Miami Marlins. Your thoughts on this, Dave? Yeah, I mean, first thing I got to do is I got to wonder how last night's game affects this one. I mean, you know, anybody that pays attention or or looks back, Miami went up five to nothing early. The Cardinals tied it uh, back and forth a little bit. The Cardinals scored two in the ninth to go ahead by one, lost in the bottom of the ninth on like a two-run throwing error by the pitcher to first base. I mean, it was just brutal. Um, but with that said, there was a lot of bullpen use last night. So I'm going to look at the the – Look first at the over. Not really. I don't really trust either starter out of the gate. I mean, I love Perez, uh, but he didn't make it out of, out of the first inning at Atlanta. And okay, it was Atlanta, the hottest team in baseball, but he did get a beating. Uh, and then just when you think Flaherty's done, he shuts out the Yankees. So uh, you know, I had to go even deeper. And Miami hasn't seen much of him, and clearly the Cardinals have seen none of Perez. Um, and that Braves game really had to be the outlier. Or is it possible? Teams are just finally getting a look at him. I don't know. I have kind of have to go with outlier. Um, that could have been the real and final dagger in the Cardinals last night, really, like mentally. Um, I could easily bet Miami. It is a bit of a fishy line, though. It's only opened at minus 130, and I expect it a little higher. Uh, I think I'll pass the side for now, actually, uh, and take the first five under. It's a pitcher's park, and given the slate of both pens, uh, if I'm seeing a low-scoring start, I'll probably look for an in-game over. But I'm going to think that game starts slow and, and go with the first five under. Dave, this is the one that we were talking before we recorded where I told you that I had a bunch of different leans in this game. And I had, my thoughts were all over. So I, I originally looked at it, and it was kind of like what you said with Flaherty. Looked amazing against the Yankees. Actually hasn't looked that bad his last couple starts. And then you have Yuri Perez, who, speaking of looking amazing, has looked amazing until he met the red-hot Atlanta Braves who he didn't even get out of the first inning with. So I'm looking at it. Neither, weirdly enough, have a ton of familiarity with the other team. Flaherty's been throwing the ball well, actually been throwing the ball better on the road. Perez, it's not surprising he's better at home. Obviously, it's it's Marlins ballpark. It's a big ballpark. But neither of these offenses statistically are are great by any means. I agree with you. I looked at the first five under just because I'm I'm kind of with you on the Perez. I think it was just he ran into the wrong team at the wrong time and didn't have his, his good stuff. And I think Flaherty might, you know, might still have it a little bit. And the Fish aren't some overwhelming offensive team. First five under for this game between the Cardinals and Marlins. But here were the other leans I had. Because of that weird line, like you mentioned, I leaned with the Cardinals because I was looking at it and go, Flaherty's been around longer. I feel like I have a better grip of what he actually is, especially if he's going to be pitching well. Perez is still so young in his career 
that I, I feel like I'm more confident in knowing what Flaherty is. So I would lean a little bit to the Cardinals on the money line, and I think you can get that at uh, slight plus money currently. But that being said, I actually like Yuri Perez over in strikeouts. It's at five and a half this morning, but it's kind of like when we talked about last podcast. I'm seeing now others pop up at six and a half with some juice to the under while there's a little bit of juice on the over at five and a half. But this seems like we're getting a, a little bit of a discount for some of his starts, especially when he didn't get out of the first inning against the Braves and he struck nobody out. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, that's a lot of thoughts for one game, but it was, um, you, know, you know, yeah, that's another one where I would say, all right, I'll bet over five and a half and under six and a half. I mean, at five and a half, yeah, I can definitely see the the over there. I mean, I I think, I mean, it has to be that line is just a little fishy because of Perez's last start, um, but because it's there, I, I don't want any part of the side. So yeah, I would I would probably throw that prop in with the first five under and call it good. Yeah, there was a lot of scribbling going on over here. <laughs> I can't read my writing, so I type it out. <laughs> so that'll be our first game. Uh, both of us kind of agreeing there, Dave, that at least one of one of my leans, you like the uh, under in the first five between the Cardinals and the Marlins here. Thursday night. Now the second game, Thursday night, going to look at the Orioles taking on the New York Yankees. So uh, Baltimore traveling in New York here. Kyle Bradish on the mound for Baltimore. Luis Severino on the mound for the Yankees. What are you thinking for our second game on the Thursday? Yeah, I mean, Severino's been good at home if you just look at his splits, but it's only been three starts, and one of those three he did get hit pretty hard by the White Sox. But, you know, based on his overall numbers, for me, it started out as off the table uh, as far as betting on the Yankees. And Bradish hasn't pitched well on the road. Uh, in fact, I think in eight starts, he's had just one quality start. And one of those seven non-quality starts was at Yankee Stadium, which, of course, makes me want to blindly bet the over. Uh, but I don't blindly bet anything. And, you know, looking at batters versus pitchers, breaking out the old way, um, the Orioles don't have a lot of exposure to Severino, although Santander's had a couple of bombs and six at-bats. So, you know, potentially a player prop there. Uh, conversely, the Yankees have hit Bradish fairly well uh, and the red-hot Harrison Bader has two bombs off him, so there could be another one. Um, I think the bottom line here is, is is simple. It's obvious, which is always concerning to me. I have to take the Yankees. Uh, well, I don't have to, but there's less yellow flags with New York than with Baltimore, you know, rating both pens about as even of, as of late. Um, I didn't look at the line before I dove into this. Then I saw Baltimore being favored. I don't necessarily grasp that. You know, maybe the Yankees are turning a corner. Uh, they better pretty soon and, and maybe a bit undervalued. So I'm kind of liking the Yankees uh, and the over. I know that the over is kind of going against what the market is telling us early. Uh, but again, it is early. So I kind of like the Yankees and I kind of like the over. So I agree with you. I kind of leaned with the Yankees when I first looked at this and it was the easy route, right? Severino good at home. Bradish not as good on the road. Uh, interdivision and it felt like, to your point, the Yankees have been playing better the last, we'll say, half a week or a week. So the fact that they were underdogs, when I first looked at it, I actually thought they should probably be slight favorites, so I agree with you there. But what I actually gave out on the morning show this morning, I kind of like the first five innings to go under. And a lot of things would point maybe to the over, but it was another thing you mentioned. It was Severino, weirdly enough, Severino's been around for a while. 
and it's noted that he's better at home and historically better at home. But like the other thing is, it was weird. I thought that an interdivision opponent he wasn't super familiar with. But I guess the Orioles do have a younger team. But Bradish, on the other hand, he just faced New York, I believe, within the last month, and he kind of got hit, hit hard. I think it was uh, five innings, four earned runs, and I think the Yankees hit him to a, roughly a 300 average. So I think he might make some adjustments. It was kind of against everything that we were seeing, like statistics-wise. So I ended up going with the first five under the total at roughly four and a half. Well, I hope you're wrong, <laughs> but uh, I could see that. Uh, the market sort of says you might be right. So that is our second game. Dave, looking at the Orioles and Yankees, you preferred which one? I lean Yankees and over. So Dave leans with the Yankees and the over. I also lean with the Yankees in the first five innings, but I do like the under in the first five innings. Moving on to our third game for today's slate, Thursday. I'm going to be looking at a 6-10 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Texas Rangers traveling to Boston to take on the Red Sox. Nathan Avaldi on the mound for the Rangers. Cutter Crawford towing the rubber for the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, I had to dig into this to figure out how I cannot take the Rangers. I mean, obviously, they have the name starter and probably the better starter. So that's the way I look at it. I mean, let's just not do the obvious. Um, Boston does, they got a nice little four-in-one win streak going. I know that's not a lot, but they've also had double-digit hits in four straight games. If you're looking at splits, Crawford would be unbettable at home, uh, but it's a really limited sample size. and. Over his last seven starts, he does have pretty respectable stats. You know, he's not putting any extra runners on base. But he's allowed two home runs in his last two starts, and both of them in three in his first game of the year, which tells me he is feast or famine. And I think if you if you want to dig, you'll see that's the case. So, you know, what are we going to get tonight? I mean, that makes it hard to bet on with seemingly way too many variables. And, okay, Eovaldi, I've been on him and watched him get crushed. Now, he can get hit. Uh, but he's more feast than Farron, and the current Red Sox lineup has seen little to none of him. So I don't love the way either Penn's been pitching. So there's so much variance, I was tempted to just simply pass. I mean, the market's a bit fishy. Um, most of the overnight bets are actually on the Red Sox, and the Rangers are, quote-unquote, only minus 135, which I'm sure is going to make them an attractive bet to a lot of people. But then I look at the total. That's sitting at 10 which is definitely not what I expected. Uh, I think with such a high total, the Boston run line might be something I could get behind, uh, given that the higher the total, the cheaper the run line is. Uh, but ultimately, I think I would have to bet the under 10 runs. And I think, I, just, I think that's just the safest bet. Yeah, Dave, I think we are really on the same wavelength on this one because I looked at it and Nathan Avaldi is a guy that's been pitching really well. And I first looked and I go, Texas isn't that heavily favored in this game. I mean, outside of, you know, hardcore analytics stats people and Boston Red Sox fans, who the hell's Cutter Crawford? You know what I mean? And then I was looking right. at it and I dug in a little bit. I'm like, oh, Cutter Crawford has actually pitched pretty well. Like there are a couple of games where he's got got, but it, he's been pretty decent. Of all these, been really good. And then I noticed that total and I'm like, I get Boston and, and Texas are both good offensive teams, but that 10 seemed too high because I would have thought, oh, I could see a nine or something like that. 
So yeah, it was it was a weird line with Texas not being favored as much as I figured, and I thought that the the run total was probably one run higher than what I would have at least expected. So I actually kind of wrote down right here. I kind of like the Boston in the first five on the run line just because I don't want to. I really couldn't trust either of these teams' pens. So I did write Boston first five on the run line and the under for the first five because if we get a good Crawford, I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring either. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just went ahead and took the under for the whole game, but you're probably right. First five is probably a better bet. But yeah, I think um, I think we saw this the exact same, just uh, or I guess the exact same things that were standing out, just a difference in opinion on game versus first five. Yeah, I think that oftentimes, you know, you got to be careful though. So, I mean, sometimes you know Texas could just go ahead and win, you know, nine to one. I mean, that there's just a lot of variables here for me. So, as I said, what I did was throw out what I think is the safest bet. How's that sound? So, there you go. Dave and I both roughly have the same takes. Dave just likes the Red Sox for the full game on the run line, and he he likes the under for the full game. And I like the Red Sox on the run line in the first five, and I like the under for the first five innings. Now, that'll conclude, obviously, our Thursday, July 6th slate. Going to move on now to the Friday, July 7th slate. First game that we're going to take a look at here, it's going to be a 540 Central Time first pitch. Going to be Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies. Sandy Alcantara on the mound for Miami. This one, Dave, you would have thought would have had at this point in the season more, I guess, Cy Young shine to it, but anything but so far for these two. Yeah, I mean, I look kind of this one backwards. And okay, what what do the Phillies have? And, and lately, they got a bullpen. You know, heading into today being Thursday, they hadn't allowed an earned run in a week. Um, I classify Wheeler as respectable, uh, but he's not consistent. And, and this is a guy that, you know, once the season shut out the Braves, but overall his worst, absolute worst games have come against NL East teams. So here we are again. Uh, he's been beaten up by the Nationals twice. Uh, he beat the Fish way back when, and that is a division rival. So I'm leaning Miami first five at the moment as I'm going through it before digging into Alcantara, who we know from memory hasn't been himself this year. I mean, I, I know the Marlins uh, pen has been susceptible lately. So that back end edge pending Thursday's game, uh, it's all Phillies. Uh, and the Phillies, they did light up Alcantara earlier this season. So you'd think, well, maybe he gets his revenge. But, you know, everyone except the Red Sox have uh, kind of lit up Alcantara's ERA this season. It's over five. Uh, no matter where, home, away, road, night, day, you know, noontime, 3 p.m., doesn't matter. Um, and he's never been close to having a season in the area over four, right? unless you count eight games in relief with the Cardinals before he got traded. Uh, so it is that bad. So what I really like here is the first five over. Were you ready for that? I took the entire game over, Dave. We are just a little off here. The wavelengths are in the right direction, but just the slightly off. Because I looked at it, Zach Wheeler was a guy that was in Cy Young contention the last couple of years. Obviously, Sandy Alcantara won it last year, but neither of these guys look the same. Both ERAs over four, and Alcantara, it it just feels like after his first couple starts, he's he's been horrible. I mean, he's got an ERA around five, and that's not Sandy Alcantara. Same thing for Zach Wheeler. I almost feel like you look at this total of seven. You mentioned how the Marlins have a susceptible bullpen. I mean, the Phillies, 
okay, they might be a decent as of late, but that's also a bullpen that's been pretty susceptible to getting hit hard. And we have two starters, Wheeler at best, that's been inconsistent, and Alcantara, who hasn't been good. I just thought the over seven looked like the play here because it, it looks like they were handicapping this game as if it was being played the last two years. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. I mean, uh, for that reason, I do kind of like the Phillies here. Um, actually, I like the Phillies kind of a lot here. I mean, you look at you look at Sandy and you look at any any good pitcher or bad pitcher that's, you know, all of a sudden doing well. And at some point in time in Alcantara's case, you got to stop using the word outlier. It's not an outlier anymore. I mean, it just keeps happening and happening and happening. Uh, and I did think it would happen when he pitched against the Red Sox, and it didn't. And that was the only time he actually had a really good game this year. So I guess anything can happen. It's baseball. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I definitely am on the side of seeing more runs rather than less runs. Do you think it, this could be like the books almost using some psychology where they're like, hey, we know people know Alcantara. We know people know Wheeler. We know that they know that they're all uh, that they were both good, especially in recent memory. But this year, maybe not so much. Let's hang. Let's hang a, a seven out there, even though some of the people are going to know that they've been hitting a lot. It almost feels like you could do a lot of mind games with yourself trying to outthink it like, hey. These guys have been blowing up. Why is it so low? Or to the complete flip side, it's, well, this is so low. Both of these guys have been good, but they're getting beat. Like You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in order to have that game go under, I think you need both pitchers to uh, perform to their peak, which it just hasn't been happening. That's not to say that it couldn't happen or won't happen or won't be a 2 nothing Miami game, but – you know, the odds are, are probably against that, I would have to say. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's a look ahead or not. I mean, if it's seven, whenever I see a seven, I'm like, well, you know, there's tons of four, two games. But I want to say that I want to see both teams get to three, which would make seven an automatic push would be four, three at some point. Uh, and I, I think both teams will score three runs. But, you know, there again, uh, that's why they call it gambling. But, you know, today I, I, I'm inclined to disagree with the line. Uh, you know, tomorrow I might change my mind. But, yes, uh, we're on the same page. Speaking of it being gambling, let's move to our second game for the July 7th Friday slate. That would be the Baltimore Orioles traveling to Minnesota to take on the Twins. This is a 7-10 Central Time first pitch. You have Cole Irvin on the mound for the Orioles, Bailey Ober on the mound for the twins. This was one Dave where it was, you know what? You can't have everything, but you still yeah. got to make a, make a decision it, or make a bet. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Um, but are they ever that easy? I mean, you know, I'm sure you saw what I did. The twins will have a, a real situational advantage if, if nothing else, I mean, they've got today off and we already know the Orioles are playing the Yankees in New York tonight. So for the twins, they have rest and travel advantages and, you know, there was a time before the internet and splits and sabermetrics and whatnot that everybody would be betting Minnesota just because of that. Um, but here's the thing. Ober's last start was against Baltimore. He shut them out seven innings, two hits. So we have another angle that says we maybe ought to take the Orioles because they will figure it out. Uh, this might be a case of just who has the overall better starter, which is clearly Ober in my mind. 
I wish I could find a way not to take Minnesota because this is never that easy. But they also have the better pen going into the game, and we know it'll be resting. So I'm not going to outthink the room. Uh, I'm going to, with some trepidation, I'm going to take the Twins. See, I I did not like this at all because it was like one thing was pulling you in one direction, another thing was pulling you in another direction, and you look at Irvin and he has been around like he was with the A's. So it's the twins have seen him. The twins have actually kind of hit him a little bit, but, but then you look at the twin stats this year and it's like, well, I mean, outside of the brewers, they can't hit lefties at all. And then you you mentioned Bailey Ober and how he faced the Orioles last start. Well, that was the same thing with Irvin just a day apart. And I ended up kind of, going, well, Ober might be good, but Minnesota, uh, I don't know. But I guess Minnesota can maybe hit Irvin. They just saw him, but they don't hit lefties. I ended up looking at it, and I know the Orioles' bullpen hasn't been as great as of late, but I ended up thinking, you know what, I might go with that first five over. That might be the one I feel most confident in. Well, I can see that. I was thinking about it when you were talking. I said, you know, maybe maybe we do get the reverse regression both ways and we get some runs. Um, I'd love to know who the umpire is, but we won't because it's the first first game of a series. Yeah, we would get it, but it would be too late to talk about it on this podcast. But, yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I think that because of the recent history, you might get a decent number there. And that's it's that's one where it's like it felt like you're getting pulled in all sorts of different ways. It's, it's not a super confident one, but that was just trying to figure out out of the two, three, four things I could see happening – I think I would probably go with that first five over being the most likely, though it's not a confident one. But moving yeah. forward to our final game on this Friday, July 7th slate, going to be a 7-10 central time first pitch. Going to have the Cincinnati Reds take on the Milwaukee Brewers. Andrew Abbott on the mound for the Reds. Corbin Burns going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I mean, I really like Abbott. I mean, what's not to like, especially – being a left-handed pitcher against the Brewers, not to be redundant. Um, it's oftentimes, it is that simple, but, you know, the Brewers have seen him, so there is that. Uh, Burns is Burns, but obviously isn't having the season he had, uh, and Brewers fans are accustomed to, to see. And I mean, I think he's allowing a 285 batting average against, which is kind of ridiculous, but, you know, like some of the pitchers we've already talked about today, he can get hit, uh, meaning the variance, especially against a division opponent. Uh, so I think those variances are pretty big. So I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to S2 the bullpens in favor of a first five under. What do you think about your Brewers? I'm going to disagree with you on both of them. I'm going to keep the bullpens in, and I'm going to go over. And the reason being is I thought about this one quite a bit, but Abbott, he did just see the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers don't hit lefties, so you would say, oh, everyone would think, he'll shut down Milwaukee. You have Corbin Burns being the name, kind of much like we said with Alcantara and Wheeler. You would just fully expect him to come in here and shut down Cincinnati. He already did it earlier this year, but I don't necessarily think so. We haven't seen the best of Corbin Burns stuff either this year. I don't know if you've been watching this Cubs-Brewers series here this week, Dave, but it has been disgusting. Each bullpen has blown multiple games or has at least tried to bullet multiple times. The Brewers' bullpen the week before was heavily used and not looking good. And and from what I can tell, Cincinnati's bullpen hasn't been the best here as of late either. 
I'll go with the over for the game, and I believe right now that's at eight and a half. Milwaukee's offense has been hot, and Cincinnati's offense has been hot. I think uh, we know the Brewers hitting bunches, and Cincinnati's young studs look pretty darn good. I'll go with the over eight and a half. Fair enough. We respectfully disagree. Um, I I like it when we disagree. We were, for some of them, we were going completely opposite. I think it was two we're completely opposite on, and the rest of them it was like fine little differences where it was like, I like the full game versus I like the first five. And I think that's a good thing. A little bit of agreement, a little bit of mixed arguments. I think that's, that's always good. Yeah. If everybody agreed, this would be, this would be no fun. So that'll conclude our major league baseball slate for both July 6th and July 7th. Uh, Real quick here, Dave, got about five minutes. If you want to squeeze the football future in. Um, okay, um, I will do that. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, I like their over six and a half wins. I mean, and 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 that's sort of against public uh, perception, I guess, if you will. They're an eight-win team last year, so I get the drop in wins, given it's essentially the presumed difference between Baker and Brady. Um, but I'm going to disagree. You know, last season Brady threw for almost a career low in touchdowns. He had 25. He had 43 the year before, and then 40 before that. And yet, he completed more passes last season than he had in any other year. But So his QBR was the lowest of his career, even lower than that last season with New England when they had nobody on the outside. I'm also going to contend that he lost arm strength, and the entire offense was based on that fact alone, which I, I kind of saw that with, my, with you know, the eyeball test. But his yards per attempt were also a career low. So give Baker a new lease on life with the best receiving core he's ever had. Um, I like my chances. He, you know, he has the same weapons Brady had. He's got Evans. He's got Godwin. Uh, what Brady needed his whole career was Gronk. I'll spare you the stats, both with and without. But you'll trust me on that one. You know, in the Bucks defense, they were marginalized last year by the press, but they allowed the same number of points they did in, in, in the year prior. Not awful. You know, the issue last year, believe it or not, only the Rams scored less points on offense. And again, Brady stayed one year too many. Their schedule. They may beat the Vikings in week one. They may beat the Bears in week two. They got Houston, Tennessee, the Colts. You know, that could be five. They should at worst be three and three in the NFC South. That's eight right there. You know, factor in an extra loss in the division. Okay, split the first two. That's a minimum of six. Uh, You know they'll win a game or two as underdogs. I don't see how this doesn't win as long as Baker Mayfield stays healthy. So, Dave, it sounds like you're going to take the Tampa Bay over on the win total, and it also sounds like you are going to fade all the video coming out of uh, Bucks OTAs, what was that, a month ago or so, where Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask couldn't even complete passes. I don't know if you saw that, but that definitely yeah. fading what everyone's thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, conventional wisdom, you know, I'm not going to follow the lemmings over a cliff. No, I, I, I don't have anything on this one. I would be the, you know, the sheep that would just say, man, they look terrible from what I saw. But, hey, this is why you dig into it, and this is why uh, you're the professional. Well, you know, even professionals lose about 47% of their bets. Keep that in mind. And if you want to find some of Dave's stuff, you can find him on Twitter at Dave underscore Essler. You want to find some of his work, it's at pregame.com. You want to follow me on Twitter? It's at Rowdy underscore Razor. That'll complete our baseball, our football future. Just want to ask all of you guys to continue to to like, share, subscribe, send it to your friends. If if you like what we're doing, you like the content, uh, just make sure to hit that like, share, and subscribe. So, uh, oh, Dave, 
I almost forgot. We have to have our Major League Baseball picks. We don't have to, but we can. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the Yankees on uh, Thursday night at plus money and uh, a little bit on the over as well. So you're going to go two best bets on the same game? Mm-hmm. And then I'm actually going to go two different games. I'm going to – I'm going to go against you, I guess, a little bit on this one. I'm going to go with that Baltimore-New York first five innings under, and that's for Thursday. And then on Friday, I'm going to go with the Phillies and the Marlins over the seven runs. Alcantara just doesn't feel like he has it this year. Wheeler inconsistent. Two bullpens overall that haven't been great. Doesn't feel like enough runs. So give me the over between the Marlins and the Phillies. So, uh, what we got a recap here. We got three for Thursday night and one for Friday night. Uh, Dave, you like the New York Yankees plus the money, and you also liked the over for that game. And then I like the first five under between the Orioles and Yankees on Thursday. And then on Friday, like I said, going to go with the Phillies and going to go with the Marlins over for the total. That should be around seven. So that should do it for us. Uh, like I was saying, Make sure to share this with your friends, like, subscribe, uh, maybe write us a review. We appreciate all the listeners. And as always, let's continue to make some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe.